Hello and welcome to Push Your Peak with me, Louise Minchin. Each week I'll be joined by some of the world's most incredible sports people who've achieved extraordinary things. I'll be finding out what it takes both physically and mentally to surpass what you think the human body is capable of and achieve your goals. As these people share their stories, I hope you take away the belief that you too can achieve your goals no matter how big or small. Today, I'm joined by big wave surfer and adrenaline junkie, Andrew Cotton. Andrew was born and raised in Devon, and he's put Britain on the surfing map and has taken on some of the world's biggest waves. However, it hasn't all been plain sailing, and in November 2017, Andrew broke his back in a life-threatening wipeout in Nazaré in Portugal. After focusing on regaining his strength, both physically and mentally, he returned to the waves in 2018 and took on Portugal's mammoth waves once again. Andrew has a documentary, Savage Waters, launching later this year, which captures some of the twists and turns of Andrew's surfing life. He's driven by the desire to surf the biggest waves in the world, and it's the thrill of the unknown which drives him to pursue his goal. Andrew, great to see you. I mean, first question on this podcast obviously has to be, how's the surf today? Where are you and what's it looking like? <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. I'm actually in Portugal, in Nazaré. It's sunny, it's relatively warm and the surf is it's good. It's not massive, it's nice and clean, fun. Oh, it's so great to speak to you. So um, I said there briefly that you put surfing on the map in the UK. I mean, just let's take you back to you as a young boy. When did you start? So my, my dad's actually from North Devon, but we spent the first part of our childhood in, in, around Plymouth, so South Devon. And then we moved back to North Devon when I was about seven or eight. And that's when... I suppose, yeah, that's when I got bought my first surfboard and, and tore it out for the first time. And first surfboard, I mean, because some people start surfing, don't they, with boogie boards or with... Back in the day, I had one of the wooden boards, by the way. Yeah, well, no, and, and, and so did I. So I think we'd done family holidays, days at the beach and stuff, and we used to bodyboard from a young age. Growing up in the southwest of the UK, it is like a very... My parents, you know, took us to the beach regularly, so we're really lucky. And, yeah, so we spent a lot of time in the sea on bodyboards, wooden belly boards. I can remember my parents having wooden belly boards. But it was my dad, it was Easter holidays. It was freezing cold, it was raining. It was Saunton Sands. And my parents rented me a wetsuit and a surfboard. Just I think I've been hassling them to try it out. And it was like, okay, we'll rent some stuff and, and have a go. And I can remember being in the car park, changing out of this wetsuit, which was, like wetsuits now are pretty good. But this thing was like cardboard, you know, almost like pretty much there's no point in actually wearing it. And on, took me ages to put on, ages to take off. I was freezing cold, but yeah, a huge smile on my face. Really? And there's something else about rented wetsuits as well. It's the smell that does it for me. Yeah. 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 But so Easter, what's that, like April, May time? Yeah. Cold. It's just cold. Like the sea's cold. That's like it's at its coldest. But yeah, still absolutely loved it, no matter, you know, so freezing cold. I think my parents, they didn't think they just sat in the car. So they <laughs> just sent me off. Did you get it like straight away? I did stand up that first time. Did you? Yeah, just sort of worked it out. There was no lessons or no tuition or 
it was just like go in and try and work it out. So you fell, so you kind of fell in love with it on that first day, or possibly even before you you went in. So so much to talk about to you. So making this a career is a big jump, isn't it? You, for some time, you kind of had a dual career, didn't you? To, to be honest, competitive surfing when I was a kid, and and even so now, really is is professional surfing. So you do contests. There's like a a contest scene in the UK and through Europe, and then there's world tour. And that's professional surfing. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to compete. And I did compete at a local level and national level, but I never did that well. So going professional was just never through that means was never mm-hmm. going to happen. No, I, I didn't have that competitive flair. I didn't have the, the skills, but it was still very much my, like, this is, this is what I love. So I just started, when I left school, decided to just work within the surf industry. I made surfboards and worked in a surfboard factory. And I think that's when I found within surfing, I found my niche, which was like, like I enjoyed bigger waves. So most surfers do not surf the kind of waves that you do. So just tell us a little bit about, so for you, not massive is shoulder height. When, <laughs> when do they start getting big? A big wave is very personal, like you said. And for me back then, shoulder high was massive. And it was just, yeah, it's through surfing a lot. And I was very fortunate to travel a lot. When I worked in, in the Surfboard Factory, we travelled quite a lot. And yeah, like the waves get bigger and I just enjoyed it. And I found some of my friends that were way, way better surfers than me. As the waves got bigger, their skill levels were sort of coming down and their fear was setting in. And mine, I was just coming into to my own sort of zone as the waves got bigger. Mm-hmm. So I, I, never, I never thought it'd be a job. It was never an intention to like, okay, this is going to be a job. I'm going to do it. It was just like, yeah, I love this. I'm just keep doing it. So this podcast is all about pushing your peak. And I have stood up on a surfboard. <laughs> but the fear, let's talk about the fear because I have huge, and anybody listening to this who's tried surfing, there's so much around it, isn't there? I mean, there's getting in the water for starters. Yeah, well, within surfing in itself, it's a very, it's exhausting, you know, like balance, cardio, fitness. It is very tiring and, and the only thing, the great thing for training for surfing is more surfing. Let's talk about fear because, you know, you're out there in the crashing waves. What's going through your mind? Are you thinking, right, I need to get through this wave. I need to look for the right wave. Is it the right wave? I mean, there's, for me, you know, there's like so many questions. It's about progress. You, you, treat, yeah. you treat surfing as like a marathon. It's not a sprint. So don't expect to go out the first time and start charging down huge waves or, or even get and, and I think that's the thing you're constantly battling with that I think from the day I started even to now I had a session yesterday or the day before where everything's going wrong bad placement bad bad positioning and you're like what am I doing but every point where I thought I'm over this sport I'm going to take up someone else <laughs> you have a moment of whoa like eureka whoa this is this is epic you know this is what it's about and I think that it goes with the fear as well. Of course, at the beginning, you, you get scared and you're, but it's about pushing it every time. Sometimes you push, push a bit too far, you, you scare yourself and then you realize, oh, it's actually not that bad. And then you can go back and do it again. So, so yeah, it's a lifelong journey of doing that. And at no point have I ever thought, okay, right, that's enough. Well, I thought it, but I've never done it. That's really interesting, isn't it? So you're pushing yourself and then suddenly, I mean, I can I can totally understand that you get that moment of just like, yo, this was that yeah. was just a few that seconds. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's those 
those few seconds, it's like any sport, the real bit when you connect and the few seconds when time slows down. Yeah. It's like, whoa, like this, this is what it's about. It's about trying to get that feeling. And whereas people might say that's adrenaline, especially as in probably big way sevens, probably classes like an adrenaline sport. But I would say that it's the same feeling which makes me love it so much as what probably like a footballer when he's doing crazy movements or whatever and probably time slows down for him or tennis player or you know cyclist or whatever I think that's what any sports person I think they're chasing that same feeling I'm sure lots of people can relate to that and there for example swimming is my thing I love open water swimming that's my favorite thing and there are moments in that when I'm just like oh my gosh this is awesome and they don't you know I could do an hour and a half swim and there might be one 30 seconds yeah but it is that flow when you get yeah, to that zone where like Oh, how long? And you don't even know how long you've been swimming for, probably. I don't know. Like, and you're like, what? Yeah. And you just it feels like that, but slow. It's like, you know, like, I don't know. You go into that zone. Yeah, into I, I can totally relate to that. Tell me, so I want to know. So you go on one of these big waves, okay? So how do you pick your wave? On the really, really big days, uh, you work within the team. We use a jet ski to tow us in because the waves are so big and travel so fast. And you know, I'm talking like. Waves the size of houses. How many? How many feet? I mean, a house is a good is a good imagine good for our imagination. Up to like eighty feet oh, in the zone. Gosh, that sort of size. So, so there's a lot of water moving. There's a lot of energy. Yeah, and and, and it has and it is dangerous and it has consequences. So you work yeah. in a team. You have a safe specific safety guy, and you would share your goals, tell them what you're looking for, and communicate. We're all we're all guys that surf for a long time experienced every way is different and i think that's part of the the draw you know part of the buzz mm. and there's complete lack of control you know you, you're talking about very serious forces of nature you're dealing with here yeah and i think that maybe that's the exciting thing is that you you, you know no one conquers the ocean you flow with it you ride with it you can play in it but you're not conquering waves you just ride them briefly and everyone's different and it's about you reading the ocean and choosing the right lines and riding successfully. Mm. Tell us about it because I, I mean, I get absolutely, and I've done it this morning because I knew I was talking to you. I get completely and utterly mesmerized, mesmerized by watching. And anybody, I, I urge you to go and look at videos of Andrew surfing and all the rest of it. So towing in, you, I know you also tow people in, don't you? I mean, that is yeah. a, you know, that is a, a, you've got to be perfect, brilliant at that in itself, haven't you? So using jet ski within in where the sort of size of waves we do is a skin itself yeah and actually that's one of the most my biggest steps or biggest achievements to becoming a pro was i towed garrett mcnamara into the world record wave yeah in 2011 and that was probably incredible like a turning point in my career so i went from like a plumber from devon and then somehow i ended up in Portugal with this famous big wave surfer and I ended up turning him into the biggest wave ever, which was measured at like 78 feet or something. And that was a big, definitely a big moment for me. And, and it actually is probably still one of the highlights of my career now. Wow. And he'd chosen you, hadn't he? Yeah, we worked together for a couple of years. Yeah, we just got on. We, you know, we, we sort of, we clicked with energy and uh, personalities. And it, for me at the time, it was like a huge opportunity. Mm. And yeah, it was it was good. It was a good few years. Did you know at that moment when you towed him in that this could be the big one? Yeah. For me, like pushing my limit right. at, a little bit out of my depth, but it was now or never. And, and, and I, I can just turn him in and thinking, 
one that's probably the biggest wave well, it was the biggest wave I've ever seen in my life and, and I was yeah. like, like I just hope he doesn't fall because <laughs> like, like, I don't know what's going to happen to him if he does and he didn't luckily and also I mean from your point of view you've got to get the hell out of there as well haven't you yeah you got and, and you got if he fell then you have to go and rescue him as well so it's like <laughs> so yeah, right, you don't want him to fall yeah, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility for the jet ski driver. And you're going to have to really talk me through here because, uh, you know, none of us none of us do this. You know, you are right at the top end of an extraordinary sport. So you literally, so, so you tow him in. Let's say you're on the back of the jet ski at this point. They tow you in, you what, You jump off. How does it work? So so we've got a jet ski, like a standard yep. Yamaha jet ski. I'm driving. We have a water ski rope or tow rope, which, yep. which is really like 30 feet long with a handle. So that I can match with that ski, I can position and match the same speed as the wave, okay? Which is fast. The skis are going 50 miles an hour. Sometimes when I've worn a GPS toe surfing, yeah. surfing some of the waves, I've reached speeds of like 75 kilometers an hour, going down a wave. Oh my god! 75 kilometers an hour, going down a wave. So you're going fast. Push, you, you whip, toe the ski in and yeah. then surfer it. He throws the rope and right. then he surfs and then he can position himself wherever he wants in that wave. Right. So he can play it really safe or he can be and that's the fun bit. It's almost like snowboarding. Yeah, you said, said you've got a moving mountain. Yeah, and an avalanche of water behind you. So you just like what's the safe I mean the safe position you need for me would be to miss the wave. So what's the safe yeah. place? The safe place would be on the on the green of the of the wave. No, right, okay, the nice glassy green bit. Yeah. The exciting bit is how safe you play it. A surfer would say, oh, you've got to be really critical, really deep. So there's a, there's a fine line. There's always a fine and line. And the really line. critical, really deep means what? Near the near, breaking near bit? The, yeah, yeah, or the avalanche, which is fine when it's shoulder high, but when it's uh, when there's like 80 feet of white water. So then you've got this, this incredible sort of, what's the noise like? I get asked that a lot, and I think I almost am so used to it, I don't even notice it anymore. Right. That's the amazing thing about Nazare itself, is that you can come here and you can be so close, but you don't have to have anything to do with surfing, you know, nothing about surfing, but you can watch waves, and you can yeah. see, like, eight-foot waves literally tens of metres away. And this is where you are now, Nazare in, in Portugal, and if you've seen big wave surfing on the, on YouTube or whatever, you've definitely you've seen Nazare. So I'm going to take you to a hard place. Anybody who knows anything about you will know that this happened to you back in 2017. You had a, hor- a horrible accident, didn't you? Right where you are now. Yeah. As I would just described then, yeah. it was Garrett driving the jet ski, me on the tow rope, and he drove me into this wave. I let, let go of the rope and... Yeah, you, I pe- played. Yeah, just a, a, a consequence of pushing, pushing that you know that limit, that boundary. And yeah, looking back at the footage, I can you know you see, you, you analyze those things. You're like, okay, right, should have played a different line here and surfed a bit differently there. And I ended up getting hit by the wave and catapulted out. And and yeah, break, I ended up breaking my back. I mean, I suppose you know it, it's kind of. I've watched a documentary, Savage Waters, which you're in, and that is played in the documentary. It's devastating to watch, actually. It's funny, actually. So we we started the Savage Waters as a project we started back in, like, 2015, 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it was a moment in time where you're like, okay, right, this is, you know, what's it all about? Is it worth it? How do I get back? I want to go back. We'll come back to how you got back in a minute. So, you know, you've fallen many times before. You've presumably been pushed under many times before. 
did you know that this time was was different? Yeah, I knew, I knew the, the second I got hit by the wave. So, so generally, like you get hit, you get an impact, your arms get fling around, you roll upside down, and you don't know, you know. But you do surface eventually. Sometimes there's a little bit of force in the impact, but the, the impact was so hard and so violent. I instantly knew that is the next level. I, I pretty much knew I'd done my back in straight away. And um, presumably you're getting tumbled around, you're held under. What, what, you know, what would be like a rag doll under there? Yeah, so I was getting around, held under. I, I surfaced for about a second, maybe, and then was hit by the next wave behind me again. And then they managed to rescue me. And did you even get to take a breath in that second? Yeah, like as surfers, you know, and it's all natural instinct. I think sometimes like looking at the footage is more scary for me than living Of course it, it is. But living that, it was just like, okay, right, this is another wipeout. Yes, yeah, it's loads painful, but it's going to be all right. And I'm, it was painful, but I never thought I wasn't going to live it. Yeah, you make an interesting point, don't you, that sometimes you, you're right. When you're the person involved, you actually know how it feels. And, and okay, it's bad, but actually it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be all right. And I think just natural human instinct takes over and that is survival yeah so no one wants to drown or die or whatever so you, you just naturally go into like survival mode and that and that's what happened and, and it's fine it's probably probably more scary for for the rescue guys and the guy you know guys helping on the beach you know because that for them they were dragging me out of the water and i couldn't walk i was really fortunate like everyone on the beach all, all the team i was working with were super professional and I was within like half an hour, I was in an ambulance and on my hospital, you know. And this is five years ago now. We'll come to, you know, where you are now in a minute. That I've watched that, watched that documentary and literally two days in, you're like, right, when am I getting back out on the surf again? And you know you've got a broken back. Yeah, I don't know. I think it must have been a lot of drugs. <laughs> I, was I was wondering. I was saying. wondering about <laughs> that. What was I even saying? And I think that's the interesting thing when you look back on a documentary filmed over six years it's an interesting journey, isn't it? Yeah. And things that are, like, to be honest, I can't even remember that conversation. It's not until it sort of got dragged back up and I actually saw it the other week. I was thinking, what was I talking about? <laughs> like, there's no way. I could barely walk. I don't think I could even could walk at that time. I, I also think in some ways that's human nature again, isn't it? You're like, of course, you know, that's your life, isn't it? It's your passion. Yeah, I'm very much, I was like, okay, right, I'm not going to go out on a bad wipeout. Because I always feel like, you know, as, as an athlete, you want a, a couple of achievements and a couple of things to be remembered by in, in your sport. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get remembered for that, for falling off for a wipeout. So, yeah, I think that was a big motivation to sort of come back. This podcast is brought to you by Wattbike. Push your performance this year with Wattbike. Whether you're training for a sportive or simply want to get fitter, the award-winning smart bike Wattbike Atom could be your perfect training partner. With integrated gear shifters, real ride feel and gold standard accuracy, this is the ultimate indoor bike to kickstart your indoor training. You can measure and track your cycling performance on the free Wattbike Hub app, and get real-time feedback on your pedaling technique too. Expertly crafted and designed in the UK, what bikes are tough enough to withstand elite athletes in training while beautiful enough to sit in your own home? Discover how what bike can help you reach your goals this year. Just head to whatbike.com. Oh my gosh, tell us about the comeback. So yeah, I mean, we know that you, you know, oh my gosh, you had to learn, did you have to learn to walk again? 
No, it was a compression fracture. I was really lucky. It was stable. There was, after lying down, uh, it was like 48 hours or maybe a little bit longer. The first time I did try and, and walk again was very scary. And actually, I, I, the first time I did try, I, I couldn't actually... I couldn't, I couldn't actually do it. I felt too nauseous and too sick. And, and then it was a couple of days later that then I, then I started moving around. And, and you pick it up, like, they were like, oh, it's going to be, you know, take your time. But it actually, like, as soon as you started moving, the more you moved, the, bit, the more easier it became. And actually, the, the initial four days, I did the accident, the first four days were horrible. And the second week, I went from, like, moving around slowly to, like, Right. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Let's go. Like, you know, obviously, I was braced and couldn't do a lot. But, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, I saw the brace. You can see the brace in yeah. the documentary. Even by like the third week, I, I was cycling on a, on a session with bike. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk to you about. So cycling. I mean, I suppose at least you're mo- you're moving, aren't you? It enables you to move. Yeah. And and from then at that point, yeah, you have your. You know, I had like the diagnostics and. I was really fortunate. My, one of my sponsors, Red Bull, my headline sponsor, they're very proactive and I had really good physios and a really good program straight away. And you have your physio exercise, but then also it's movement for like, I'm pretty active. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I can that. see this. So what I what can I do? I need to be moving more than just my rehab exercises, which was basically trans abs lifting legs really boring stuff loads of hydrotherapy like walking around in the pool like this is you need to get a sweat on you need to get your heart going yeah exactly that was it which i can remember like i ended up getting a what bike and i put it by the door and i used to hold myself up by the door and i could just cycle you know like i could keep my body obviously i was in the brace so like you know, i feel like i'm doing something you know i feel yeah. like i'm like keeping active and when you do that for 20 minutes, half hour day. And, and keep, you know, keep your cardio fit, I suppose, as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, gone, yeah. I've gone a very long way inside on my bike. I really have. And, I've, and it's enjoyable. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have. And I think especially I actually ended up getting flown back to the UK and it's winter, it's cold. And I think if you're a, an athlete at home in, in the UK, indoor bikes are like, you, you got to have one, haven't you? <laughs> tell me, yeah, tell me about the cold as well, because presumably your because yours is big wave surfing. Most of it is in cold temperatures. It, I mean, apart from presumably Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think when I was a kid, I thought it, it was presumed that all big waves were in warm places, and that would be the dream. Yeah, unfortunately, like, all of my career has been in cold water. You know, I, I have, obviously I have been, I spent time in Hawaii, and that's where I sort of probably surfed some of my first big waves. But then my professional career has always been Ireland, Portugal, North Atlantic. So five years on now, isn't it, more or less, since the accident? Tell me where you are now and how are you fit-wise and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, so, um, yes, yeah, back back to doing what I love, really. And the amazing thing with big wave surfing, you know, it's like it's continuous. We're surfing storms in the Atlantic. You never know what's around the corner. You never know if the next storm will be bigger. So it's about being fit, ready. You, you talk about fitness and you said you said right at the beginning, didn't you, that the way, best way to be fit for surfing is to surf. What other stuff? But what about on land stuff? Do you do on land stuff as well? Yeah, I do. I think when I'm talking about best way to be, you know, obviously you have to surf to be, be surf fit. But yeah. when you're doing it at a high level, cardio and, and training my legs. And so, so land-based stuff, I actually do cycle a lot. 
it's actually it's, it's something when I started to surf it through my 20s teens and my 20s it was probably like I never even thought about it because I was never really interested in cycling and it's something actually that I've gained a passion for it through injury and recovery wow and now, now I love it so now I, if I get it's something that I I do for fun <laughs> which I never would have done usually you know like going for cycles like a really really good bit of fun you know just going back to what you said about storms is that we we see storms and go, oh no, storm incoming. And you see storms and go, yay, storm. Yeah, like, yeah, Where is it? Really yeah. And that's, you know, and that's the most exciting thing about surfing. And it is about, you know, and actually really that that, that was the thing that actually inspired the, the film was about adventure and finding that next big wave. Because the, the ocean's huge and every storm throws up a different variant. And, and I think that's the... The exciting thing about surfing in general, but for me, big wave surfing is, you know, where is that next big wave spot? And then we we know where Nazare is and we know where the spots in Hawaii are and there's some good spots in Ireland. We know where they are, but are there more? I also want to ask you as well, given this uh, podcast is called Pushing Your Peak. So it strikes me you are constantly pushing. Are you, do you feel still you, you're pushing at the edges of what you're capable of? So I'm 42 now and I've actually... I actually still feel that when I was 20, I thought like, I didn't think I'd be able to get any better. Right. Even like at 42, I still feel like I'm improving, which I didn't think was possible. I could feel that I'm fitter. I feel like I'm more focused. I feel like I'm still improving in my sport. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's surprising. So hopefully I can still go in that trajectory. <laughs> it's nice to hear that because there are so many sports where that can't be the case because of physicality. Also, just quickly on, on Savage Waters, we talked about it here as well, but the documentary's out soon, isn't it? And are you proud of it? Yeah, it's kind of surreal. You know, like it's kind of, it's surreal because it, for me, it's not really even really, but the whole the whole crew, it has been a journey for everyone. I'm just a small part of it. Well, listen, I thoroughly recommend the documentary, everybody. Um, it's an extraordinary story of which Andrew is very much part. And yeah, it's very, a lot of insight into uh, what happened at the accident as well and how your yeah. parents view your surfing because I think <laughs> I'm a parent oh I don't know how, how would you describe it as a parent myself you worry about your kids but sometimes I just don't really think my parents know what's going on or don't really understand what I'm doing but we'll, we'll see I don't know, <laughs> I, don't know. I, I feel their fear uh, what can us mere mortals learn from you do you think about the things that you've been through but for me injury is opportunity to learn loads of stuff about yourself and, you know, about recovery, about your body. That's been a, a recurring theme on this podcast, actually, people having a bit of time to think when they've been injured. And, and to understand and find new things. It's that mindset. I think we focus on a lot of time like what we can't do, but then it's about actually twitching that and focusing on what we can and enjoying it. So like pool rehab, like hydrotherapy or, or trans abs, leg raises, but also indoor cycling or you know whatever you know like it's about finding that stuff and enjoying it you know? yeah so what are you going to do the rest of the day you're going surfing today it's surf every day if you possibly can surf every day, i yeah. love the way you're looking out the window by the everybody he's I, literally I, looking I, out the window I can, see, I can see the beach so i don't want to rub it in but yeah <laughs> that's what you'll do today yes today on the program we've got surfing and a swim training session swim training as well what does that consist of nothing crazy like it, but it's just a good bit of probably like a, a 2k set and then we do some breath hold stuff of course because breath hold is important for you isn't it it won't be about maximum breath holds it would be sport relevant so it'd be 
holding breath and high heart rate. Wow. So it's not about like, oh, I want to hold my breath for like five minutes. It's about recreating. So you sprint 25 meters and then maybe do like a 20 second breath hold and just have those feelings of like wanting to breathe, heart going and, and not wanting to. Yeah, because of course you you don't know, you know, the thing about surfing is you don't know when you're going to have to hold your breath. It's going to come suddenly no, and you may no. not even have time to take a breath. No, exactly. You can train that in, in the control environment and just, just be, become familiar with it. So you're not like going like, oh, what's going on? Like being comfortable with the uncomfortable is what you say. You know? like, it sounds very uncomfortable to me, but it sounds like absolutely brilliant. Do you know, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I've learned so much about surfing. I'm not sure I'm ever going to get off my billy board. And I wish I still had my wooden board if your parents got theirs. Yeah, they've still got them. I know, I know, I want one. Yeah, they, they, I think they've, especially in North Devon, I think they're banning like yeah. the polystyrene ones, the thorough ones, that's banned. Back to wooden belly boards. Quick fire questions for you, Andrew. What is your guilty pleasure after a savage what bike session? Usually lying on the floor, <laughs> like getting off and like lying on the bed. What's the secret item in your pain cave if you have one? Yeah, so like if I'm really pushing it to the max, I just think about the biggest wave ever. That can get me through. Like I'm gonna go, gonna give up. Right, gonna put an extra ten seconds in, or extra thirty seconds, or get that extra bit of cadence going. You know, like it's all about that. Who is your motivation? Who is my motivation? Are my kids? What does your inner self scream at when you want to stop? Myself (laughs) screaming at myself. Is it swear words? Probably. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think the best bit of advice is enjoy the moment. Love that. Who was your role model growing up? I've always looked up the local legends like on my home, home beach. So a guy called Scott Rannikin and then Ralph Freeman. They were just like local guys from Croyd and uh, they, they were who I wanted to be. And like, that's, I wanted to surf like them. I bet they look at you now and think that too. What motivates you to do what you do? I think of, like it's my passion. I love it. It's just, yeah, it's just something that there's nothing that mo- like I just loved in it. Oh, listen, it's been such a pleasure. Andrew, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been a real, I mean, a real insight, I think, for everybody into surfing and into you and into what motivates you. And thank you so much for your time. Cool. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Push Your Peak, a podcast for real athletes who don't know their limits. Next week, I'll be joined by Strictly Come Dancing's Karen Howard to discuss the highs and lows of recovering from an injury and the importance of rest and rehabilitation throughout an athlete's career. You can find What Bike on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter. To find out more, just head to whatbike.com. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd love it if you rate it, review it and follow. It really helps. This podcast was brought to you by Watchbike. The Watchbike Atom is the ultimate indoor bike to kickstart your training. No matter what your training or fitness goals are, the free Watchbike Hub app can get you there. Check out watchbike.com to push your performance edge.